Hey, thanks for tuning into The Way, our Wednesday night service. This week, we'll hear a message from Pastor Andy Bowles. So Matthew was this guy who was the publican. He was the tax collector. Now, now I, wanna, I want you to understand that just like in our culture, certain vocations connect themselves with each other using the idea of a plumber. When I say plumber, if there is another uh, vocation or career attached to plumber, what do you think that career might be? Framer, electrician, roofer, contractor. We, we sometimes tie these things together like this. And if a person in the New Testament heard the, 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 the vocation of publican, they tied them obviously together with other publicans, but the main thing that they associated them with was two, two marks. One was publican prostitute, or one was publican sinner. It's what Matthew was known as. This guy who, again, we talked about it last Wednesday, who was the go-between between Rome and, and the Jews, the one who took advantage of the Jews, the one who was a sellout. This guy, he, he, wasn't, had any, he didn't have any endearment to the Jewish people. He really didn't have any endearment to the Roman people. And he's just this guy who's wishy-washy. He's in it for himself. He's padding his own pocket. He, this isn't, he ain't for us. He's against us kind of perspective. But when Jesus walked by Matthew's tax collecting table, Jesus was able to see something that others couldn't see. I love the scene. I tried to get it on the, on the, on the screen for you guys tonight. Couldn't, couldn't figure it out. I've got an ancient phone. It's the cousin to the flip phone. It's an iPhone, I think, 7. And uh, anyway, it's going out of date, and I can't do things with it anymore. But don't, don't fret for me, guys. I'm completely okay with that. Phones are just a text and call with anyway, so no big deal. But, but if, you, if you have time and you want to YouTube this, you can YouTube the specific scene in The Chosen where Jesus calls Matthew, and Matthew is in this booth, and here's these bars, and, and there's a soldier outside of, of, of the booth for Matthew, and Jesus walks by, and it's almost like Jesus and Matthew lock eyes just for a moment, and Jesus keeps walking, but then Jesus stops. And he looks back at Matthew and he comes to Matthew and he calls him by name. And it reminds me so much of our main passage. And he calls him by name and says, come and follow me. And it, the, 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 the comic aspect of what happens with, with Matthew, the, the soldier is reaching for his sword as Jesus comes up as though he is going to protect Matthew from Jesus. And he's telling Jesus, go on, you itinerant preacher. Meanwhile, Matthew's in the back. And after he hears Jesus say, come and follow me, Matthew's locking up Booth, right? And he comes out and, and the soldier says, what are you doing? Are you willing to throw all of this away? And he gives him his key. He gives him his ring. And he says, absolutely, I'm willing to throw all that away. And then he begins to follow Jesus. Luke chapter 5, if you got your Bibles, flip over real quick with me to Luke chapter 5. If you don't, it's on the screen. We're going to pick up in verse 27. And after these things, he, Jesus, went forth and saw, here we go again, attaching things, a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. 
And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all and rose up and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. It was a great company of publicans and others that sat down at meet with him. We're going to read some other verses here in just a little bit, but just to kind of set a pause on this, you probably saw the first screen there. The first screen said, Matthew, publican party, right? <laughs> We're kind of spinning off of the political parties in America. We've got the Democrats, the Democrats who are fighting for a democracy. We've got the Republicans that are fighting for a republic. Whenever we have a majority of Democrats, then we can somewhat be known as a Democratic-ran-led government. When we have Republicans, then we are a Republic-led or dominated uh, political system. And so what we see here is, is the tax collectors, because people associate with people of their own kind, Jesus calls Matthew and says, come and follow me. And Matthew decides, I've just met the best thing in my life. And so what does he do? He, he invites his friends to come, publicans and some others, and they have a publican party with Jesus. He is. He's serving Jesus. Now, now, where is all of this coming from to, to where we meet in our main passage? Well, the context of Luke chapter 5 is the first three verses we find where Jesus goes and finds Peter and gets in Peter's boat and tells Peter to launch out his boat a little further because in this moment, he is preaching a message to where others are hearing this message and collecting all around him to the point to where others can't hear him so Jesus, in a very practical manner, says, get me in the boat, send me out, let my voice carry over this water a little more amplified so this message can get out. Point number one in our hearts when we're in the context of the message is Jesus's message is worth getting out there. <laughs> uh, who do you know that could benefit from hearing about the message of Jesus. Every, everybody, every single human being on the planet can benefit from hearing the message of Jesus, that Jesus, God in flesh, came to this planet, died on the cross, was buried, rose from the dead. That is specifically the good news of the gospel. Why the gospel? So that sinners, who is a sinner? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's me, that's you, that's them, that's everybody has fallen short of the standard of God. Therefore, we as sinners, need the forgiveness of God through Jesus on the cross. And that message is worth saying and saying and repeating and repeating and repeating. Why? Because those who are far from God need to hear it and those who are near to God need to be reminded. Because I'm going to tell you, you know what keeps calluses off of my heart? I, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I can become so familiar with things. Me and Lori was talking about this the other day. Lori went through a system of reading the Bible in a year. And so I've read the Bible through. Many of you guys have read the Bible through. And when we go back to certain parts of the Bible and decide to read a book again, sometimes we can be tempted with familiarity. I say, I've read that. I know that story. 
And, and, and what it really is, if we're all honest, we think that we've got all the truth from that passage that what we can get. But, but really, there's a whole lot more truth in that passage than if you lived a million years on this planet studying that one passage that you could ever understand or mine out of that passage. But because familiarity is so, so easy for us to get into the rut of it, there can be some calluses built up in our lives over certain things to do with Jesus. I mean, we're going to come in here and we're going to sing songs that we've sung before. Now, no doubt sometimes we can be going through something in life, a difficult situation, and we can be celebrating something that recently happened to us, and we sing a song or hear a message or read a passage, and all of a sudden there is fireworks that are blowing in our mind, and, and, and so we can be engaged in that manner, and it's a freshness to us, to us then. But this is what we need to know, that the good news of what Jesus provides through us by his Spirit and his word, which is truth, is wonderful in the normal too. It's wonderful in the normal. What keeps the calluses off of the heart is the constant reminder of Jesus' gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection. And so Jesus, listen, this is the thought. The, the, the message of Jesus is worth amplifying to all those around us. It's worth reminding ourselves about. But the, the, in the context, then you look at verse 4 and following verses that Peter's there. It's Peter's boat that Jesus is in. All of a sudden, Jesus says, all right, Peter, let's go fishing. That makes Reese happy. Reese loves to fish. I'm a much better fisherman than him. We've gone fishing before, and I've, I've just destroyed him. I've taught him a lot of things in life about fishing, I feel, and uh, he owes me a great debt. But <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's all a joke. Jesus, Jesus says to Peter, let's cast out the net here. Let's, let's fish a while. And all of a sudden, Peter receives this, this net of fish and, and he, he's, he's doubting in this moment and, and he, he doesn't have a clean vocabulary at this time in Peter's life. But he realizes right then that Jesus, everything that he's been proclaiming is true and he falls to his knees and says, Jesus, you got to get away from me because I'm a man that has got a filthy mouth. I think I've shared this with you plenty of times before, but after I got saved, the hardest thing for me to learn to do was have my tongue crucified. My language was, was horrible. I can understand in a way of what Peter's saying. I, I, you do amazing things, Jesus, and you can really change me, but for the time being, I don't know what I'm going to say when I'm going to say it. And I can be kind of embarrassed. I remember as a child, one time I was in class and a teacher called on me to give the answer. And in my answer, I, I used a, a, a vulgar word, a bad word. Well, I got the answer right, but I got my tail tore up in the hallway. <laughs> and Peter's like, oh, you got to get a, 
you got to get away from me. The message that Jesus was amplified, was amplified to everybody around that could hear, but who was it affecting in that moment? Guess who it was affecting in that moment? Peter, Peter the apostle, Peter the preacher of the Pentecost, Peter who, who would be this great missionary in the book of Acts. It was affecting him and he falls to his knees and surrenders his life to Jesus. Then in verses 12 through 17, Jesus heals the leper. And then in verse 18 through 26, Jesus heals a paralyzed man. And then in our main verses, Jesus just don't ever quit working. Jesus just keeps on doing Jesus things. And he keeps getting Jesus results. A message that is transformational. A message that reach, reaches far away. And a message that reaches close to <laughs> he, he receives his own. He heals those who, who desire the healing. And he calls those probably who thought their name would never be called. You, I mean, you got to think about that for just a minute. You, you remember what you did? How you lived? How God the Father was affected? Psalm 51, one of the greatest passages about turning away from sin in the entire Bible. That, that psalm was birthed in the heart of David after the prophet Nathan came to the house of David. David had sinned with Bathsheba and, and all of this is being known and all this trouble is being brought upon David and his house and, and he, the, the prophet comes and, and he gives him this little parable, this story about a, a man who had plenty of sheep, had a neighbor, only had one sheep. The neighbor that had one sheep loved his sheep so much but the neighbor had a a visitor come in instead of taking a sheep out of his many sheep to feed his neighbor he took his or his friend he took his neighbor's sheep from him and this story the prophet is telling to David and David is just enraged on the inside and the prophet says what should be done for this man David said he should be killed so insensitive and the prophet put his finger in David's face and said, you are that man. Did you not have plenty? And yet Uriah had one wife and you took her from him. And then David fell under conviction and was broken and penned Psalm 51. And he said in this Psalm against thee, Lord, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Think about the wrong that we've done. And yet God, who is so full of grace and so full of mercy, who could have so easily just ignored you, but he didn't ignore you. He ran to you and running to you, he called your name. Here's Matthew. I mean, he's an outcast. He's in his own little jail cell booth. The Jews hate him. The Romans hate him. He ain't got no friends but other publicans. And when they get together, it's a publican fest. I don't even know what that means, but it just felt right. <laughs> and so Jesus comes and he says, Matthew, Matthew, you, you come follow me. Who, me? I don't know, you might have felt that way when Jesus called your name and said, hey, I want to save you. Who, me? 
You mean to tell me you can save me? You mean to tell me what I did in my past was not something that was so offensive to you that you forgot me, that you left me high and dry, that you don't want anything to do with me, but instead you still want me? Wow. Jesus is so amazing. There's a couple of things I want to point out before I get into the, to the meat of the message. Is that Matthew was somewhat caught off guard because Matthew was doing a normal daily routine when Jesus showed up in his element and called him out. It's amazing in that moment to where when Jesus called your name and you responded to Jesus calling your name and you were saved, you surrendered and you said yes to Jesus, not knowing that he would call your name. <laughs> Bring an awareness to you over your sin and an acknowledgement of him as the Lord and Savior who can forgive your sin and your life surrendered to him, him calling your name out. But don't miss the fact that Jesus is still the Jesus in the normal day routine. How many of you guys know your job well enough that you, you, you might use a phrase like this, I can do this job in my... Yeah. How many of y'all know that? I can do that. I do this so much. I could do this in my, what you're saying is, is you have built up the routine. You know the system. You know what to do. You know how to handle this. It's really not that big of a deal. You've got this lick, but I'm afraid if we're not careful, even in our Christianity, in what we do on a daily basis, because it is so routine for us, we might throw the gear in neutral and just kind of coast through the day if we're not careful we might miss Jesus passing by. You see, Matthew was doing normal day routine things when Jesus showed up. Matthew had a choice when Jesus showed up. His choice was to stay or go. His choice was to remain the same or change. You say, well, Andy, it's an obvious. It's Jesus. Jesus says, leave that and come with me. Don't be the same. You're known as a publican. Let's get you out of this identity into a better identity. Let's find change. This is the problem with that. In the normal, in the everyday routine, we can find ourselves comfortable even though it might not be great, wonderful, the best. We just be comfortable in the routine. And in the comfortableness of our routine, we might miss something that God has planned for what's best for us. <laughs> let, let me ask you this question. When, when you've got all of your bills paid, that is a miraculous thing nowadays. One even better. Your bills are paid and your tank is full. That needle ain't touched F in so long it forgot it was a part of the alphabet, right? But you, you, you got a full tank of gas. You got cabinets full of groceries. The house is, you even caught up on your medical bills. Amazing things are happening in your life. Everybody is healthy in your home. You and your spouse are, are, are having a good time together. You know, everywhere you go, the flowers are blooming, the sun's shining. Life is wonderful, Right? Do you still want change then? <laughs> Are you still wanting something in you to change then? This is, 
the pursuit of the American dream that what I just explained happened to you every day. The threat to our Christianity is an American dream that would make us comfortable enough to where we're not concerned with Christ when he comes in our normal. <laughs> you got you to be, be super careful, you know. We're real attentive to look for Jesus when life is chaotic or life has problems, but we're not looking for the radical transformational presence of Jesus when things are normal and everything seems to be okay. And so I think another lesson that we learn about the way and about a disciple who has change is that when Jesus shows up in the normal, there can be still some amazing stuff that happens. The first thing that can happen is when Jesus reached out, Matthew responded. You see, when Jesus reaches out to us, we need to be prepared to respond. In today's world, it's not real hard to get a response from people. Now, I'm not talking about what the response is most of the time that we're desiring. I put a Facebook post out there. I'm looking for loves. I'm looking for likes. I'm looking for comments. I'm looking for responses, right? I cannot tell you how many times I've talked with people who are upset because their post didn't get enough likes or shares. And it's not just Facebook, it's, it's other things as well. And, and, and have, you, have you guys heard of the phrase ghosting? They're ghosting me. How many times do we get ghosts, right? And so it happens to everybody. And we, we, live in, we live in this age to where we desire the immediate response, but the immediate response most of the time is not that welcomed response, but it's that do this. Love on somebody, see a response. This is terrible advice from a preacher. This is metaphorical. <laughs> Be rude to somebody. See how quick a response comes. You see what I'm saying? So, so in today's world, you know, we, 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 we want certain responses, but everybody's willing to give that knee jerk, I'm hurt response, that here's my opinion kind of a response. People are excited and willing to give those kind of responses. Here we find where, where, where uh, Levi, Matthew, he responds to Jesus when Jesus reaches out. Look at verse 27. And he said unto him, follow me. In verse 28, and he left all, he rose up and followed him. Leaving is not always easy. It's not. Some of you guys have had to leave an awful lot to get where you're at. Morgan and I was talking about this the other day and it's kind of, one of those God things to where I was reading this passage and then Morgan and I are talking about this passage to where Jesus is confronted with his disciples and his disciples say to him, now Jesus, we've, le we've left an awful lot to follow you. What's going to be our reward for following you? And Jesus said, you've not left anything that won't be rewarded so many more fold than what you could possibly imagine in the world to come. 
here Matthew, he, he leaves a seed of scorn. No doubt about it. People don't like him. He's not there for popularity. And I'm here to tell you that if you're not there for popularity, then you got to be there for money. And Matthew had plenty of that. So he's leaving that as well, right? He may be leaving the scorn, but he's leaving the cash behind. And so leaving isn't always easy when you're having to leave. And following is not always easy when you're learning how to follow. But the fact of the matter is, is the Bible teaches this simple principle that when we leave, it's a representative that we're dying to ourself. And when we follow, it's a representative that we're growing in Christ. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time that you recognize Jesus breaking into your norm? so that he could bring change in your life that was positive, that could get you somewhere you've not been before, even though the change was uncomfortable. When is the last time Jesus came in your life and recognized that you were sitting in a seat that was really comfy and then he says, get up out of that and come on and follow me. We've got more things to go, more places to go. We've got a direction. We're in the way. Now you come and you, you leave that. How did you respond in that moment? It's a, it's a legitimate question. If, if, I were, if I were to just be transparent with you tonight, I would tell you that the times that Jesus has called me to get up and follow him, there have been moments to where me and Jesus just had to have a conversation of why. Why? Eight years ago, when the Lord said, Andy, leave the church you're pastoring, could have retired there, full-time pay, house there, no big deal. Get up. But Jesus, my family needs to eat. You know, you know that phrase, living on love? Lasts about three days and then you die. <laughs> That's got to be my, it got to be some bread on the table, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't understand this. I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my mind around that. Sometimes we don't respond immediately as we should. But how, how did you respond the last time Jesus said, get up and come on? See, Jesus is reaching out to Matthew. Matthew responds. And as Matthew followed, Jesus decided to be his defender. I love this part. I absolutely love this part. Notice what he says in verse 30. Uh, we're going to pick up. This is, this is 29 through 31. Let's just read that. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and others to sit down with him. We don't know if in, in this time where, where Matthew is showing Jesus off in his house, like, can you guys believe this guy came and called me to follow him? I want him in front of y'all. Who knows who he's going to call next and what the conversation might have been, we don't know, might learn in heaven, but, but he has this feast. He's looking for Jesus to do some more cool things in this celebration. And then in verse 30, but their scribes and Pharisees murmured. There's that word, man, I hate that word. Murmured, it sounds like a disease. <laughs> Against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered and said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I want you to understand that in that comment, we could take it and look at it and say, Hmm, 
Jesus just said, I'm sick because he's hanging around me. He's calling my name. Or we can look at that and say, hmm, Jesus is right. I was sick and he's come to heal me. There's a perspective about it that we can see here. But, 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 the, but the thought is Jesus reaches out to Matthew. Matthew responds to Jesus. As Matthew is following Jesus, Matthew is learning something in this way that I think all of us can learn in this way as well. That Jesus is your defender. Exodus 14, 14, you shall hold your peace and I will fight for you. Mm, that's good stuff. Exodus chapter 15, verse 3 in the Song of Miriam, she says, the Lord, he is a warrior. So how many of you sinners watched the Oscars Sunday night? Anybody? All right, some of y'all might have. You don't want to raise your hand. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it, but I could not escape from two things that I saw as video clips from it. One was the situation with Will Smith and Chris Rock. Anybody see that? Just about everybody, you know. And so if you don't know what happened, here's Will Smith sitting adjacent from his wife. I can't remember what her name is. I'm doing good just to know. Jada, there you go. And so... So, and, and, and Chris Rock is up there and he's, he's, the, he's the comedian, he's making jokes and, and Will Smith's wife has a hair condition and, and, and she doesn't have any hair and he makes this comment about G.I. Jane 2 and, and it's really distasteful. By the way, most of the junk they put out is horrible. Amen. But anyway, that's just, that's my soapbox. And so he makes this comment and I'm just going to be honest with you men. If you insult my wife, you know what I'm saying? Come on, bro. You've lost your mind. Right? So in a sense, I'm like, okay, Chris, you deserve that. But in the other way, I was telling some folks earlier, I can't believe Will Smith couldn't knock him down. But <clears throat> that's good night. Lord, forgive me. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so Will Smith at first laughs and then recognizes his wife her honor has been taken right there in front of everybody. So what does he do? He gets up, he walks up, he slaps Chris Rock, he goes back, straightening up his vest, and he sits down, and then he starts shouting things from the chair, and the whole while he thinks he is defending her honor. Right? I mean, that's really what it is. He thinks he's defending her honor. There's a lot of opinions. Should he done it? He probably should have been arrested. This is, you can't just go up slapping people, Right? Um, guys, you need to know that. You just can't go around slapping people. You might want to, but you can't. And so, and so the defender came out in Will Smith. That's what happened. The defender welled up inside of it. Mamas, think about your babies. We got a phrase for you. Mama bear. Yeah. Husbands, think about your wives. I mean, it is what it is. There's this defender mechanism inside of us. And you know, we are full of sin, make so many mistakes, but we got a God who is perfect and has never made a single mistake. And the only reason you have the inkling of a desire to be a defender for those you love is because there is a Father in heaven who will defend those who He loves. 
And so here Matthew, Matthew is just, he's responding to Jesus. He's excited. Jesus is in my home. Hey, buds, let's come on together. He, you know, he gets his friends together in the house and the Pharisees and their scribes come walking by and they see that Jesus is hanging out with a bunch of publicans and other people too, whoever they were. But they, they were obviously known in the culture as a group of sinners and they say, Jesus, why are you eating? How come you're having a party with these people? Of all people, you should be partying with us because we're, you know, us. Jesus, why are you doing this? And, and Matthew didn't have to step up and say, hey, you shut your mouth. No, he didn't have to. So who do you think you are? I'm not caught in the, in, in the battle between the Romans and Jews anymore. I'm not worried about what you're doing. I'm not your disciple. Matthew didn't have to say a single thing. Jesus stood up. You know what sometimes we do is we try to defend ourselves. And when we try to defend ourselves, Jesus takes a step back and says, okay, that's what you want to do? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God will take care of his own. You don't have to step out there and attempt to defend yourself. He will defend you. That was the essence of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, when they slap your cheek, then offer the other. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that, 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 that us as men are to lower our protection wall and let our families be attacked. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. What I am saying in a greater sense, a spiritual sense, is that Jesus is going to be your protector. If he is your provider, then he is also your protector. And in this verbal exchange, I'm, I'm glad to say tonight that in Luke chapter 5, nobody got slapped. But in this verbal exchange, the Pharisees say one thing, calling them names. How appropriate is this message with this timing, by the way? And then Jesus responds with this defense. They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. <laughs> what, the, what the Pharisees might have taken as a compliment, Jesus didn't necessarily intend as a compliment. Matthew followed and Jesus defended, but then the last thought is when Jesus taught, Matthew was transformed. <laughs> you see, the healer is also the teacher. He's preaching, Peter responds. He goes out and he heals a leper, his life is changed. As a paralyzed guy, he heals him, his life is changed. He calls Matthew. And now he is teaching Matthew without necessarily having to look right at Matthew. How many lessons do you think you can learn from Jesus that are not necessarily direct but indirect? If you'll just watch. And <laughs> Matthew's sitting there and they just called me a bunch of sinners with all of my friends. And Jesus said, wait a minute now. Look what he says in verse 32, man. He finishes in verse 31. They that are holding me not a physician, but they that are sick... And then he says this, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, here's the question. Was Jesus calling the Pharisees righteous? Was Jesus calling the Pharisees and the scribes, was he saying that they're whole, that they're not sick, that they don't need a doctor? Let me give you this illustration. Let's just say that you have inside of your body a wretched disease. You don't know that disease is inside of your body. I mean, there's no signs or anything. And you just go rocking along until one day the disease overtakes your body and you can no longer function. 
through the process of the disease in your body, you didn't recognize it. You never went to the doctor because you didn't think you were sick. But then all of a sudden, now you no longer can function. And, and so now you see that, no, there's something wrong with me. I see now that there's something wrong with me. So what do you do? You are willing to bankrupt yourself to go to the doctors to get something cured in your body because you recognize I've got a problem. I cannot function as a human being anymore. I've, I need help. See, the Pharisees didn't think they had a sickness called sin. But the publicans, they saw it all over them. The prostitutes, they saw it all over them. That's why Jesus said that I didn't come. I, the doctor's not going to force himself to heal. He's not going to go around grabbing people, holding them down, and giving them the shots. But instead, he'll come to the sinner who's open for repentance, turning away from their sin. And he'll recognize and say, if you're willing, you can come follow me. It's a perspective. Matthew saw that. Matthew responded to that. Matthew was transformed by that. Matthew was later known in history, not necessarily scripture, but as a martyr for his faith. He was killed as a Christian because of, Christ, because of his Christianity. He was willing because of what Jesus revealed to him to lay his life down for Jesus as Jesus laid his life down for him. Mm. All of this happened in the norm. It's a normal day doing his job, a normal time inviting his friends, a normal time being shunned by society. And right in the midst of all of the normal, Jesus did the extraordinary don't, don't, don't find yourself so consumed with the routine that you don't look for the one who is able to do above and beyond what is routine. Right? So I'm going to ask Sam and Destry to come on back.